Hello and welcome to the Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today we've got another amazing guest on our show. He joins us to discuss TogetherForSharon.com, which is in memory of his mother, Sharon, who passed from Parkinson's disease, and he is on a mission to build awareness for this horrible disease. Welcome to the show, George Ackerman. How are you doing there? Thank you, doctor. And to all your viewers, I really appreciate your time and giving me the opportunity to help spread awareness throughout the world. Absolutely. Now, this is such an important topic because we just look at the global prevalence of Parkinson's, um, Alzheimer's, dementia, dystonia, um, all of these neurological disorders. And they're just astronomical in not just how many people have them, but how many people's lives are affected by this. Um, and I know this story is about your mother, Sharon, and her journey through Parkinson's, but it's no longer just about your mother. This is about millions of other people, isn't it? Yes, sir. It's, uh, you know, we started off just, um, you know, you don't expect these things. Uh, we had actually just purchased a little home for my mother to enjoy the rest of her life. She was only 69 uh, when she passed, but it was really you know, it was taken quickly out of nowhere. And I had never signed up, you know, uh, to be a caretaker, but I'm honored that I had that opportunity. Uh, I've learned that in the last few years, it's been four years since my mother passed on one one. 2020, uh, we, I thought we had about approximately 1 million people in the United States with Parkinson's diagnosis, but then I learned only a few months ago about 10 million throughout the world. So I learned not just about my mother and my journey anymore as a caretaker, my mother's as a Parkinson's patient, but it's really about the world. I feel that if we can all you know, join together, hand in hand, literally, that we would end Parkinson's forever. But uh, that's why I really appreciate, again, the time today with your viewers and your audience, because it's really about people who aren't diagnosed also, and those caretakers who are not dealing with Parkinson's. Why? Because if we could get everyone aware, uh, you'll be a little bit more prepared. I've learned also in my time now, exercise, as you know, even uh, through the medical field, but exercise, it's a neurological disorder. Uh, exercise is such a key to slow the progression. And we were unaware of all of this. Wow, like this is so much information uh, for people that are once again thrust and uh, basically put in this situation. Um, we're going to dive into that in a lot of detail here in a bit. Um, but why don't you tell us about Sharon? Um, what was she like as a person, and then what what kind of progressed and happened happened Thanks. to your mother? Yeah, my mother was very independent. She uh, really sacrificed a lot of her life, so I could become who I am today, so I'm grateful forever for that. She lived uh, alone, uh, she was divorced, but always cared for me and my brother. Uh, she loved to take walks, loved to really nice person, liked the environment, loved animals. She used to babysit my animals till they, you know, caused her too much havoc. <laughs> she said she didn't want to, but uh, she loved pets. She uh, was really educated, she had a master's degree, she was a school teacher. Uh, when she had me and my brother, she gave it all up to take care of us. So I knew when the time, if the time ever came, that I would have to do the same for her. 
all of a sudden, wow. 15, uh, 15 years prior to 2020, uh, she just started feeling odd. And we didn't really notice much except her left arm kind of was rigid and stiff. But it didn't really affect her ability to live alone, to shop, to drive, to see her friends, the social aspect. All of a sudden, you know, fast forward about 10 years later, uh, didn't she was very quiet too about it. She always used to joke, and even today she would say, George, don't waste your time. Go back to your own family. And so she was very private, and I wish she wasn't in a way. Now when we talk, I think back, maybe we could have, you know, done more about the neurological part, like more sports, but she did walk. So five years prior to the end of her time with Parkinson, started accelerating. She had, we tried everything. We went to many doctors. We went to physical therapy. We did everything, but she started to lose weight. She started having dyskinesia, like you mentioned, which is curling of the toes. And also she started moving involuntary, not as significant as some, but she said it was more uh, internal. And uh, those, so she went to a special study with some experts. Unfortunately, I can't really say what happened. I don't blame anyone because it's really the disease I blame. But when she came home one day, I think they changed her medicine drastically. And three years to to the day she passed, it just kind of you know escalated so quickly, and it was very difficult to manage as a caretaker because you see your loved one, your mother, someone you want to save, and you try everything possible. I mean, I did research. I didn't sleep for months. And just couldn't find a, the best way to even make her comfortable. And uh, so her ability to walk started to leave. She went from having to use a cane to then the walker, then the walker to the wheelchair. And just to conclude, one of the worst feelings I've ever had in my life is as a police officer reserve and just a person having to tell my mother that she's no, no longer able to drive. Uh, when you have that ability your whole life to have you know control of your own life and it's taken from you, due to danger to herself and others. And I look back and that was, you know, one of the toughest decisions, but it was the right one. Absolutely. Now you really describe this amazing, caring person who, who's all about herself and, and doesn't even want to let her loved ones know that uh, something's going on with her and just, just an overall giver. Um, one of the things that really struck me was when you said she kind of put her life on hold to build yours and your brother's. And uh, I'm sure she's extremely proud because you have definitely built a life. Uh, you've got a PhD in criminal justice, a JD, and an MBA. And uh, doing research and trying to do things in the, the law enforcement community as well. Um, how do these kind of worlds collide, though, when you become... Uh, this peak performer who now is uh, a caretaker. Who's, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because my whole life before I was a caretaker was devoted to victims of crime, but the families, a lot of, a lot of my research and my dissertation was actually on the family members of homicide victims, often in the criminal justice system. I won't give a lecture on that, but, you know, we have three portions, corrections, corrections, police, and the courts. Well, a lot of time, sadly, the victim may no longer be with us. Well, the family members are uh, secondary victims. They're forgotten by the system, and that's what a lot of my research was. And some days I kind of equate that to the Parkinson's community because a lot of the time, especially right now, the government or our you know political system 
and our funding is non-existent for Parkinson's disease. They do fund other diseases, but for some reason Parkinson's has always kind of been a little tacked on or left out. For the first time in history, Michael J. Fox Foundation, I've had the honor to speak with them and on their behalf to my local congresswoman, who all of you and your viewers can do. You just reach out to your local congressman and woman and say you want to support the N. Parkinson's disease bill. Well, the N. Parkinson's disease bill is linked to my website, togetherforsharon.com, but it's the first bill in U.S. history that will uh, literally try to help uh, fund research, help caretakers with financially and end Parkinson's forever. So it's really historical and it's in it's there right now praying that, you know, it passes. But I mean we spent about twelve thousand a month just for caretakers to babysit in a way my mother and she couldn't really sleep so we needed someone when I couldn't be there around the clock. But they really weren't even trained with Parkinson. And that's no. another that's another story because I had to fire about twenty of them. We went through five companies. It was very stressful. I felt like I was a, you know, a failure. I had my own stress and it wasn't, you know, I'm trying to find cures and ways to help my mother. But at the same time, you also have to manage, you know, making sure she doesn't fall because that's one of the biggest problems with Parkinson's. They also that's... say, which I don't, I will argue, I won't, I'm not a scientist, but they say you, you die with Parkinson's, not because of it. But my mother had no other medical condition. Obviously, she might have had secondary problems from all the medications. She then ended up with dementia. And some parts of me feel dementia is worsened some ways in Parkinson's because of the hallucination and the delusions, which we could talk again about a little later. Well, no, I, I agree. I've worked both with uh, movement disorders, Parkinson's disease uh, patients, and uh, then... Uh, my own background, uh, my, my grandma passed away from, from Alzheimer's dementia. Sorry to hear that. And uh, I was, was a small child at the time, but still remember some, some of it and the effects it has on people that, yeah, your, your memories get washed away from you. And I think at the end of the day, we're, we're all about our memories. And uh, at least you were able to build some caring ones during this 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 window of, of pain and suffering that was happening. Um, what were some of the maybe uplifting moments that happened um, with your relationship with your mother during this, this process? Yeah, I mean, it was hard, you know, sitting in a room and she would ask me, will I be there for my, her granddaughter, my daughter's wedding? So it's like, you know, I can't lie. I don't believe I'm lying. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I mean, I recall one time, unfortunately, because of the dementia, my daughter was sitting with my mother and I on her bed on a Sunday, and she, my mother started hugging the pillows and saying, I love you, Brooke. So she didn't realize it, it wasn't my daughter, it was a pillow. And that's it's very hard to explain to a young child of seven or six that their grandmother is you know, sick or that what Parkinson's is. Some of the better times is, you know, is though she loved blowing bubbles on Sundays with the grandkids. We would always pile in the whole family into our house, sing happy birthday on her special occasions. But uh, a funny story is going back a little when I met my wife. Uh, I was, my dream was always to get a little Corvette. So I would take my mother before I met my wife on dates like once a month with my mother. And I would go to the, some of the most beautiful restaurants in South Florida, Miami. And she was my date. And I was very proud of that we were able to share those time together. 
when I met my wife, I started bringing my wife. So my mother would say, oh, I see your replacements. <laughs> so <laughs> but we, we actually, we didn't. So we started making it, my wife, at the time I, she was my girlfriend, but my mother, my wife now, and my uh, the three of us would take dates together. And we always included her. You know, she was my best friend. Uh, even now talking, it's funny because I always say I'm 200 pounds, 6'2", law enforcement, but I kind of feel like falling apart whenever I think back to the better times, but you have to keep fighting. But I remember uh, some, you know, great times, tougher. Sadly, the last year is the one that stands out because that's when I actually kept a journal and I'm writing a book now about our experiences and, you know, it shows my anger, frustration. You go through all the, I always say the hierarchy of Maslow. I went through every stage and I'm kind of stuck in the grief one and I'm also in a weird world now because I don't have Parkinson's and my mother passed. So a lot of support groups are for people who are alive or people carrying that loved ones alive. So I almost feel like I'm kind of in a way shunned. Obviously I'm not, but I, it's not. <laughs> so I might actually start my own little group for those grieving still with Parkinson's. There's a lot of excitement in 2024. And we spoke, uh, currently writing a book, but I have three or four plan. And it, I don't really care about money. I don't do any of this for any. I don't want, we don't accept donations. We actually have a link on our website that goes directly to the American Parkinson's Disease Association. And we've donated and raised over $10,000. We also support the, uh, many other organizations from Parkinson's Foundation to Michael J. Fox to the Brian Grant. Davis Finney. There's a lot of great ones, but why I started together for Sharon.com was because when I went through it, I was completely lost. So I thought maybe I could put all these resources in one spot and at least they're right there for everybody and it's completely free. Absolutely. And a lot of people too, um, they're, they're going through what you went through. And I, I, I really have to commend you on, on doing an, such an amazing job to, to be a support for, for these these individuals and these families that are suffering. And um, what were a few of the the things that really kind of got the anger or the the emotions stirring in you during um, the, those times, though? And how'd you deal with it? I think a lot of it was really, you look to the medical field, no offense to the medical field, but, you know, you want an answer. You want to, I want to hear my mother will live, she'll be okay. They couldn't say that, and we would just go to seven, eight doctors. It was just the usual medicines, and then you had to make sure people who were watching my mother gave the right amount, gave it the right time, and I mean, it was just very frustrating. They would keep a journal. How do I know the journal's right? Then the dementia set in my mother, and I actually had to put video cameras in her home because the officer of me believed everything she said, but there was a point where she was saying people were harming her, which I found out weren't true. Then we had to remove uh, even a weapon from her home because she, I taught her how to shoot a gun. I had to take that out. Then I had to remove a phone at one point. She was calling the police because she was in fear, but she was never in danger. Those are the things that break my heart even talking about them today because you, you, know, you want your loved one to feel safe. Like I knew I couldn't solve the, the find a cure. I'm not a scientist, but I knew at least I could keep her at a home, like her home. She would never go to a nursing home, I swore to her. But I'm not going to lie, there was points where I said to my wife, I can't take it anymore, i got to put her in a home. And obviously we kept fighting internally that I never told my mother but that we never did do that. But there, it's just a certain point, she had the stomach issues, 
So we had to have all hours nurses emergency come over because she couldn't go, you know, constipation from the medicines. I have my own experiences from back surgery, how horrifying that is. Right. Uh, so, you know, so between medicines, caring for her, uh, my wife is incredible. She, towards the end, my wife brought in different people, like a haircut person, a nail person, oh, yeah. you know, just nice little things that made her feel even for a minute good. And then we uh, we had long-term year, one-year hospice, which is sad, because in one way they actually, hospice doesn't believe in physical therapy. And at some point what? my mother really, yeah, she, they, they actually stop it. At one point my mother was too, yeah, she was too sick to really do it. But, uh, you know, when you stop the car, take away the car, when you stop therapy, the person loses hope. And if they don't have hope and keep fighting, it's very difficult. So those are some of the areas that, you know, were struggle. I mean, I remember I'm a big basketball fan. I play uh, fitness, but I even put all my gear on one day. It takes me a while because I've broken every ankle. And then I was already <laughs> with the socks up to the knees and excited to play and get an hour to forget life and run around. And my mother called and, and was worried and dropped everything and ran over to take care of her. So, you know, she was very ba- badly suffering towards the end. One great memory to sh- share you go to my website and go togetherforshrine.com, go to the very bottom, there's a video, and it's me playing. We, we used to have a music therapy, which was incredible, so they would come once in a while. Sometimes my yes. mother didn't want it, but the week before she passed, ironically, I decided for some weird reason that we're going to play Memory. Well, when I was younger, I'm from New York, my mother took me to see Cats on Broadway. It was just me and her, and her favorite song was Memory. So I played that song on guitar and we videotaped it. And at that point, my mother really couldn't do anything. She couldn't even speak. And at the end of the video, she said, I loved it and thank you. And those were the last words she ever said. And uh, thankfully, I did get it on video so you can watch it. But, uh, you know, those are the better time. And that was touching, but very tough. And for the last seven days of her life, not to depress everyone listening, she really didn't move. In Florida, we do not have death with dignity. And I feel we treat our animals better than our loved ones. So for seven days, she just laid there with a heartbeat, but didn't have any functions whatsoever. Wow. We imagine just us, our family gathered, and for seven days, we just, it was horrifying. Like, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how long. It was, it was just like torture. And somehow, she lived and passed literally at 1-1-2020. And, you know, part of me wishes it never happened, but I know she was suffering. It was horrible. And in a good way in a way she missed all the things that were coming with the country and the covid and i don't think she would have made it through those right yeah wow and i i would imagine afterwards you're you're grieving there's less support groups to go to um during that period in time too um uh, luckily you were probably in a state that i was more open um what's kind of your thoughts around things um kind of currently with uh, patients who are suffering now? I think COVID was terrible, obviously, but it did bring us into the a little too much into social media, but it's giving an incredible opportunity like us to be able to talk today. What yes. I've learned in the last few months only, and this is, I've been doing this for four years, it seems like it was just yesterday, but I learned, again, there were 10 million approximately people around the world. So due to social media and an organization called the World Parkinson's Congress, the group that meets every two years around the world 
and the whole Parkinson's community goes. They have about 3,000 people. I could have made it. It was in Barcelona, Spain in last June, but I was because of social media, I was able to connect with so many of the members, people who are diagnosed, people like foundations like Michael J. Fox, people like me, advocates. And uh, so I decided the journey is, again, about me and my mother, but I needed to really cope, and it wasn't enough. So I decided why not learn about other people's stories and share theirs. Well, in only three months, I'm proud to say I've done about 400 interviews around the world, and uh, we share them. If you go to the website again and you click interviews, you can scroll down. I mean, there's people from uh, Muhammad Ali's daughter, so I was able to interview her. I was able to interview some of the leaders uh, from the Michael J. Fox Foundation, from the Parkinson's Foundation, so from uh, many of these foundations. And every single day, I post another one. Like, uh, let me just see if quickly. I don't want to take time. But today, I actually posted. Uh, it was a, I believe it was a doctor, but I also uh, there's a famous book called End Parkinson's Disease with uh, uh, some really big doctors. I actually interviewed two of the three. I'm going to be meeting with another one. But if you go, I don't know if you'll be able to see, but you can see here, you just scroll and you'll see all the interviews. If you click on it, it opens up. But this was a, a bioengineer, Dr. Sylvia Deldin. So I've actually been working. I, you know, I'd love to speak to you too because I've spoken to, I think, a, one chiropractor. I don't see a lot of chiropractors, but... Obviously, everyone needs to be involved, and uh, you know, just a way to share their stories, their journeys, and I mean, take one more example. I interviewed an individual from in Parkinson's Africa, uh, and, and in Africa, they believe that if you have Parkinson's, it's witchcraft. So we need to be, you know, we need awareness to get rid of those false types of thinking, and this is the only way to do it to be able to speak to you to share this with others and for others to also do the same. Absolutely. Now, with all these interviews you've done with amazing researchers, doctors of all different fields and backgrounds, um, what are the things that are getting you um, excited or giving you hope about, about uh, the direction of aiding and helping people with Parkinson's disease? What gives me hope is we do walks occasionally, like they have a few a year. So we'll have a table and I hand out bands for free. Sometimes I'm in the middle of all the pharmaceutical companies selling things. So people actually, people are actually scared to come up because they think we're selling something. But then when they find out we're not and what we're there for, they actually hug me and kiss me and some of them cry. And that's really what keeps driving me to keep going is I don't want them to go through this. Some of the great things, is, you know, obviously there's a lot of research and funding some of the things they just discovered a biomarker, which is very important. It's the first time in history where they might be able to do a test. It's a, I think it's a little painful. I didn't research a lot, but they put a needle in the spine. They can actually tell you if you'll have Parkinson's and why that's important is because if you can treat it properly, then you'll be able to fight it a little bit better. The, uh, we've had a major problem with people being misdiagnosed, diagnosed too late. Uh, or also, so these are, or like my mother, someone who just didn't tell the family. I mean, she did work with my father. They were divorced, but close. So he did try and attempt to help. But you need to be honest, open with your family, and hopefully your family will support it and be there for you. I've been told many times, which I find sad, that a lot of kids of the parents uh, just send them to the nursing home, and then that's the end of it, which I it's sad. Uh, you know, I'm shocked when people tell me that, 
they think uh, what I'm doing is rare. I know I did research before I even started this, and I don't see, and I wish there were, and if you are listening, reach out and we'll work together, because I like to work with others, but I don't see any sons who lost a loved one due to Parkinson's of, at all out there. And, and I've interviewed 400 people. Of course, some are living uh, with like a loved one supporting them, caring for them. I've had people who, uh, another big one, which people aren't aware, it's called early onset Parkinson. People at 30 are getting it, like Michael J. Fox, a famous actor. Uh, he has a great movie he just released. I recommend to everyone. I reviewed it on my website. Uh, but he, you know, I see some of the notes because he reaches, I'm only one person, I say, one son and one voice, but together we're so much stronger. But someone like Michael J. Fox obviously reaches more people and, uh, you know, everyone has a different story. And that's the problem with Parkinson's is it affects everyone so differently. It definitely does. And uh, I, I love how you're mentioning that uh, there's more and more information coming out too, uh, basically lifestyle-wise and what can be done earlier on. Um, I know in you know, the healthcare field, prevention is always kind of being <laughs> a swear word almost. And I think a lot of kind of the diagnosis for Parkinson is way too late. By the time there's a full-blown diagnosis, um, the disease has already progressed um, way too far and quickly. And uh, a lot of things I've noticed in the research coming out is basically earlier and earlier kind of ways we can get the nervous system, brain and, and body functioning better and hopefully stave off some of these, these horrible conditions. Um, what I really like and, uh, and, and thank you for sharing is kind of the struggle and the dignity with the end stage and, and how people can, can obviously, uh, help their loved ones and, uh, and care for them. And I know it's a daunting task, especially when you toss out numbers like 12,000 per month and things of that nature. Um, but what are some of the ways you've seen people care for their loved ones that um, are uh, um, kind of economical, that uh, are sustainable, that uh, have dignity for everyone involved then? And one sad thing is uh, we don't talk enough about this end of life, and a lot of people don't want to, even though it's going to happen to everyone. But I find even I, I even reached out, I won't name people, but organizations, big ones, because I wanted to share what they're doing literally for the death with dignity, and I just don't have any, either they don't interested, they don't want, well, that's the problem. And, uh, you know, like us researchers, if you have a problem, either you find out what, not the solution, but what the problem is and why, or you discover another area that's not being, you know, touched on. And I'm baffled that, you know, they just uh, don't want to push it more because that's how you change. That's how you bring change. Dealing with the issues, we were lucky. My mother was qualified through the program with a specific organization. And they, uh, I won't say the name again, but they, it was the end of life, like for a year, which is rare. It's brand new. And so we were able to have a nurse come once a week, uh, you know, people kind of more involved, a 24-hour hotline, which was great, and an emergency number, you know, if we needed a nurse. But a lot of time it's, you know, a lot of that was more for stomach issues, not really 
for Parkinson. So I don't have, I wish I had an answer, but uh, unfortunately that's why some people do have to resort to the home because it might be more economical. I mean, I work hard, I work many jobs, so luckily I was able to help my mother. She also saved some money, which is sad because, you know, you save your whole life and you want to sit, go vacation, or you want to be able to spend five, ten years and just rest, but all her money she saved her whole life was used for the treatments and for caretakers. So, uh, you know, we need more, I think we need that bill passed and more funding to help families. Uh, and that's what we do by donating ourselves. We donate a thousand or a few thousand a year just out of my family's pocket because it's in my mother's memory's name. But, uh, you know, hopefully if that even helps one person, then we've brought a little positive change to the world. I, I think you definitely have. And uh, obviously somebody with your level of knowledge within kind of the 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 field from yeah, PhD criminal justice, uh, you kind of know the workings of somewhat of the, the system and, and how changes can be made. So I'm uh, excited to, to keep in touch with you and, and to see where you take your cause and also how, how you respond with, with the grief and, uh, and then the success of helping others out. Um, just one last time, how can people find you and uh, when can they kind of be uh, excited for the book to come out? Thanks. I've been told so many times not to talk about the book, but I'm, I mean, I, you know, every while I work and have my day, I think of it's hard sometimes. We, I don't know if we mentally block the past, but it's not always easy to remember, you know, some of the tougher times. So when I read the few notes I took, it brings me back. Even today, I, we spoke, but I, I titled one section, you know, from uh, walking to walk to cane to walker to wheelchair to bedbound, which is that's really the last year. And it's horrible to say. But, you know, just thinking back at that, I'm like still in awe and shock that that happened. Uh, so, you know, my main message really is, again, there are people like me that send our love and support, and I want literally nothing in return. I know it sounds shocking because for some reason in 2023, when you want to give something, people think you want to expect something in return, but that's not uh, not what we want. Uh, www.togetherforsharon, it's all spelled out together. F-O-R Sharon was created to remember my mother and to help explain my journey, but it's become something bigger than us. We've even gone viral we have a band that we wear just as a memory of Sharon for Parkinson's. Right. And somehow yes. it even got to Willie Geist's wife and Christina, and it got all the way to almost NBC, and it went viral online, and people around the world were wearing it. I slowed down with that because we pay for all the bands, and it's very costly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, you know, you start something, you try and just think one or two people see it, and now it's grown. I mean, I think we reach about 50,000 people, but it's not about the numbers of the people. I just, the one person... Or one journey I don't know about are the heartbreaking ones. So there's someone sitting out there that I just don't know about and I wish I did. Or the one that I know about and doesn't want to be involved. Obviously, if you have Parkinson's and you're private, that's completely understandable. But like a big organization that doesn't want to be involved, it's odd to me. Because we, if we don't all work together as a team, this will never be resolved. So you can find me at that website. I'm available 24-7. It's just me. We're not a foundation. We're not a anything company. It's really literally me and my wife, uh, mainly me. 
and I some nights still I don't sleep thinking about you know not what I did wrong but what I might have missed out but then I realized you know it was just nothing left so maybe there's things we can do for others so they won't ever miss out and you know it's tough coming to the holidays I used to have a little chair I keep a, for my mother since she wasn't with yeah. us anymore and I don't do that now but uh I, one thing I always, one woman or nurse said, oh, a few years you'll forget all that. I'm like, hell no. <laughs> Sorry for the French, but <laughs> right, uh, yeah. I'll never, I'll never forget until my last day. And then I'm hoping my daughter and my sons will continue this on. But again, I just want to thank you and your viewers. I mean, it's an honor. Hope I could share your journey one day and your viewers. If you go on the website, go to interviews and right under that says share your journey. I do this for free. Uh, I literally, it's all through email, so you don't have to, no one has to be worried. I'm going to put them on the spot or it's not recorded. And I let you look at it first. It's nothing that I make up. It's literally same questions for every person. I did that um, for a reason. There's certain questions that need to be answered. You know, everybody has different uh, journeys. And that's really what my life's goal now is just to keep sharing journeys. But I would love someday to stop it all and shut it all down if we find a cure. And again, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your time and friendship too. Thank you. Absolutely. And yeah, once again, George, thank you for, for sharing everything with us and for everyone listening, definitely check out togetherforsharon.com and stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care.